because it's not so much a problem that we can't pay attention. It's more like we don't have the wheel. We don't have control of the wheel. The car's going, but we can't steer where it's heading. We might be able to grab it and slow it down a little bit. You know, we might be able to put the brake on. We might be able to give it a little turn. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's just something there that I think for a lot of ADHDers, you just, you can't make that full turn and you can't redirect it exactly where it needs to go. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I'd like to share another review, this time from the Apple podcast platform in my native land of Canada, from a user named The Funky One. It's entitled, Finally! What a treat to find these podcasts! Exclamation mark. As a neurodiverse woman, I find it refreshing to hear such warm and articulate discussions about my exact experiences, and I look forward to hearing more. Thank you, Katie, for doing this work. It's so necessary and uplifting for us all. Well, thank you, the funky one. It was a treat to find your review and to read your kind words. They really do mean the world to me, and I'm so glad you're relating to these experiences. So sincerely, thank you. Okay, let's get started with episode 23, in which I interview Marcy Solis. Marcy is a 35-year-old non-binary parent who was diagnosed with ADHD last May. Looking back over their life, they knew they thought and functioned a little differently from everybody else, but it wasn't until their daughter was born that gave them the push they needed to learn more about themselves in order to be the best parent they could be for her. Now they advocate for other ADHD parents who want to do the same. Marcy and I talk all about the effects of sleep deprivation on a parent's emotional regulation and anxiety, especially during those newborn years, and how it always felt impossible to quote unquote, just sleep when the baby sleeps. And we also talk about being distractible and the agony of a ticking clock in the room as well as the myriad questions surrounding when to go on or off any kind of a psychotropic medication. I found Marcy after listening to them give a video talk on parenting for an online camp ADHD event this past January. And since we talk a lot about that video and about camp ADHD in general, I've included a link to the YouTube video in the episode show notes. I highly recommend you check out Marcy's talk as well as the many other fabulous ADHD-related videos available on the Camp ADHD YouTube channel. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this lovely interview with Marcy. Uh, All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm uh, super excited to hear your story. I feel like you did share a bit of it in the video that I watched for Camp ADHD, which immediately, I mean, everything you said in that video, I just like, oh, my heart was just like, yes. Uh, (laughs) um, And so I do want to talk to you a lot about kind of parenting in general and your experience, because I feel like we have so many parallels brought up a lot for me. Um, But you were also relatively recently diagnosed, right? It was what I'm calling Um, pandemic diagnoses. (laughs) Basically, yeah, I actually, um, I managed to get in my appointment, uh, basically right at the beginning of the pandemic, I think I got diagnosed in May. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. So, um, so, and so why don't you walk me through kind of what led you up to, uh, led up to this, because you actually mentioned that you had your, your mother took you to a specialist when you were a kid, um, and you were diagnosed with dyslexia. Correct. Yep. Yep. Um, So you've sort of suspected and done your own research in terms of where you might fall on this neurodiverse uh, neurodivergent spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, What made you zero in on ADHD specifically and what kind of led you to to seek a diagnosis in the first place? So um, I was a teacher for quite a few years. I taught information technology. Um, you know, all of my other coworkers didn't really have too much of a problem uh, setting up their lesson plans, getting everything done, um, you know, getting their students uh, organized and everything like that. And that always seemed to be a little bit of an issue for me, um, just getting all of my notes organized and keeping it consistent. Um, I, I could go off on tangents. That's easy. Tangents are like my thing. Um, which I'm going to try my best not to do that right now because <laughs> I can. That's the beauty of having a podcast about ADHD. <laughs> it's like, it's nothing but tangents. <laughs> you know, that's true. It's a good point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it always seemed like, you know, I was good at zeroing in on some specific things, but I didn't have the ability to control the direction it was going. And, you know, my fellow coworkers, you know, they were like, okay, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. I've got to get my notes done. And then I've got to start, you know, get them going on their uh, morning work or whatever the heck, you know. And that always seemed like a weird challenge for me. Um, my students didn't mind. Honestly, most of my students were like 15 to like 20 something. So it was like right in that zone too, where they were probably wondering themselves, like, and you know, information technology attracts all sorts of different people <laughs> too. So, you know, of course you're going to get some neurodiverse people in the groups as well. So, um, you know, actually, oddly enough, talking to some of my students kind of pushed me. They were like, oh yeah, you know, I, I get that a lot too. And I'm just like, hmm, maybe this is something that I should look at. And then I started researching it a little bit. I didn't do any serious research at that point in time. Um, It was really the big, biggest turning point was when my daughter was born. Everything was overwhelming, literally everything. Her crying, um, you know, stuff piling up in the kitchen, just me needing to take a shower, like just all the little normal things that, you know, most parents seem perfectly capable of taking care of when their kids are first born, uh, just seemed overwhelming and they just seemed to pile up. Uh, at that point, I knew something was going on. Like I, I was depressed or something. Um, and I, I did end up getting diagnosed, like I said, in the video with postpartum depression. Um, but I think that was only a symptom of what was actually going on because that had also happened in the past too, where I had gotten uh, diagnosed with depression previously, uh, I think in high school, college area. Um, so really they were just finding basically the tip of the iceberg to look at, you know, they weren't really going underneath. And then that's when I started going onto neurodiverse Twitter a lot more. And I started finding people like Danny and Pina and a whole bunch of other people, uh, Renee, and I started following them on Twitter and I started looking at it and I'm like, 
wow, this is like, this is me. Like this is me to a T. Have I been living with this this whole entire time? And just, is this why everything feels like it's just kind of floating around and I can't grab anything? Mm. And um, seeing all of that really pushed me to like, I think this is the answer to my iceberg, you know? And um, it, even after I found all of that stuff, it still took me a really long time to say, I need to go to the doctor, um, which- Yeah, because it's getting it's an difficult. appointment and going to the doctor and then having to get like, I loved when you talked about how you had to, how the proof that you brought to the doctor, because for me, Absolutely. I brought, I had my, you know, I had all my paperwork, you know, all of my self tests, all of mm-hmm. this stuff, because I was like, you know, terrified that the doctor was going to say, I didn't have this. And then I was like, well, and then what? Because I feel so understood and validated Mm -hmm. by this community and the literature. And so I was so prepared, but I love the fact that you brought like comics. I literally brought cliff notes. Oh yeah. (laughs) And like me, relatable memes. Oh, the relatable memes is probably a good, it was a big folder in my phone. Believe me. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was terrifying. Even with all of that stuff, it was it was terrifying. And I honestly don't know why. <laughs> like, Yeah, well, for me, it was just, you know, now in retrospect, realizing how much a, that diagnosis and that confirmation meant to me, yeah, you know, yeah. and just even like I actually had, you know, even though I came in with all of this paperwork and was going on and on about all of these, you know, ways in which I was convinced that this was the issue. And the doctor, like, she was like, you had me at hello, you know, like she just like, she, yeah. she, she totally confirmed it, but I had her, I needed her to actually say out loud, you yeah. have ADHD because I was like, if I walk out of this room, I'm going to forget everything we talked about. And I'm going to always question if yep. this was in my head or if I misread you or something. And I was like, I need yep. you to say it to me. And those were, and that's what I was like, self-advocacy. Who knew? Yeah, I know. <laughs> here, I, here it goes. Here, oh, we, here, This is the beginning of it. I feel that so badly because that's basically what happened to me at my first appointment. I didn't bring any of the stuff with me and I tried to bring it up. And my doctor was like, well, you've got a five-year-old who's five at the time. You know, you're probably tired because of this and blah, blah, blah. And he, he very much like didn't, you know, it didn't like dismiss me, but it was very like, you have other stuff going on right now that could be the cause of this. And after a year of doing my research, that's why I came back with basically the arsenal that I did because I was like, no, this has got to be it. And I mean, it turns out I was right. As soon as I started listing off all of this stuff to him that like was basically normal for me, But when I looked at it, I realized this isn't what regular people do all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, As soon as I made that connection and I showed it to him, he was like, oh, yeah, you should definitely get tested. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so, you know, that that happened luckily, you know, pretty quickly. And then I got my diagnosis. So, yeah. Yeah. It was rough, though. It amazes me how we can simultaneously feel like, you mean this isn't normal? And yet at the same time, feel so grateful for the community, the ADHD oh, yeah. community. Oh, definitely. And, and to sort of, it's like this simultaneous feeling of like belonging. And then at the same time, sort of understanding that this, oh, yeah. that you don't belong in a lot of other ways that you sort of were always trying to belong in. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. My personality kind of changes depending on who I'm with and that's, it's really interesting. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, you're, 
your experience with postpartum depression, I think, and the way that you describe it as the the tip of the iceberg, I think is spot on um, because I feel like that is such a common experience for so many of us who really struggled, you know, with young babies. Uh, And I think we really need to normalize how hard and like lonely motherhood is when when they're little because like you know you kind of touch on it in your video where you're talking about like how they just are you know they're not stimulating like no they're really not I love her but when they're that the potato they're not stimulating you know know. like they're just basically a ball of need and that's exactly it's a ball of need that's perfect (laughs) Um, and you know, and I remember once my husband's aunt, you know, when my daughter was like under a year old, uh, and, and she, she was making small talk and she was like, so how's motherhood? How's it going? And I was like, it's actually really hard. And, um, and she was, and, you know, and I was sort of, I don't know what I was looking for in that moment, but she was like, oh, really interesting. I didn't find it that hard. And of course, so I like ruminated over that conversation for months afterwards. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, (laughs) You know, but I think like we, I think it's so important to kind of really talk about the fact that this is an incredibly difficult experience for women, especially women with ADHD and how often we go to the doctor and we're told, well, you, you know, you have a baby, of course, it's going to be hard for you. And yep. I, like, I'm like, I don't like on the one hand, I feel like, yeah, it is hard. You know, that does seem like a valid response. And yes. And I even now my children are older, they're 13 and nine. So I sort of feel mm-hmm. like I'm no longer in the trenches. And you know, <laughs> so I feel like if I'm talking to a woman who has a young child, a toddler or baby, I'm sort of like, mm-hmm. it gets better. You know, <laughs> like, I know, I know. It, but at the same time, I also understand that when you're in the moment, that's not terribly helpful. Yeah, there was um, there was a couple of situations where like, you know, people gave me presents that were like those jokes on like what to do when baby cries. And I just, oh, they just rubbed me the wrong way at that <laughs> point. You know, I know they were trying to be nice and supportive and cheer me up and be funny. But at the same time, it's like, no, but this is a real problem for me. And and that's not funny, you know, yeah. and uh there were definitely certain, there were some points with where that happened, you know, and obviously I didn't, you know, I didn't get upset with them or anything like that, but you know, it was, um, it was hard to face that I was actually having a problem with that, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think it also kind of adds more layers to that feeling of just sort of being misunderstood in this experience and, and sort of feeling like, is this, is this in my head? Is this as bad as I think it is? Is this, is there, you know, am I, overblowing this or I think that's a better I think that's a better description of it to be honest because that's that's what it was yeah and you know and then so now I look back at my own I was diagnosed with PPD and PPA PPA with both Mm. my kids I was put on medication it helped you know it helped to get me through the day and it helped me sort of cope right Um, but like you had it like with your experience like it certainly didn't help me with the overwhelming the chronic overwhelm and exhaustion Oh my God. It was right? so bad. Yeah. So and, bad. And now, and, and, and so now realizing that so much of that postpartum depression was because of this undiagnosed ADHD. And mm-hmm. I now look at all of that. I look at the, the depression throughout my life as, like you said, like it's, that's the symptom yeah. of the ADHD. And I think the medical community treats the symptom, you know, yeah, they're a like, lot of times, yeah, well, a lot they of rec- things. 
yeah, they, re- well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and it's just another instance where I'm like, yeah, like if I had known, um, my, it would have been a lot easier. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. If I had any of the tools I have now, it probably, it probably would have been miles easier, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to me when I talk to people who were die women who were diagnosed even before having babies and they're like, eh, it's not really easier. No, (laughs) Well, (laughs) but I think it depends on the person too, I would think, you know? Yeah. And well, and one thing I like was how you sort of shifted to focusing on, the positives, you know, like really oh, yeah. like how parenting is possible. It's not all miserable. You know, we like, again, it's sort of like, we like to joke about how miserable it can be, but at the end of the day, like it's a really wonderful experience and, oh, yeah. and these are all the reasons why, and that it, it is possible and you're not doomed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, so just backtracking a little bit, what, uh, in terms of your childhood, looking back, what are some indicators you look back at now and you were like oh my god yes that was that was clearly the ADHD um honestly there's so much I probably I probably should have made a list realistically uh but it was a lot of just my teachers being like you know you're so talented you just need to try a little harder when in my head I'm like I'm trying my best like I don't understand. Looking back at things like um, vocabulary tests and especially math tests, I would put down the answers to stuff. I would think I did it all right when I was doing the test and everything like that. And then I'd look at it later and I'd be like, why did I write this? I know this is wrong. Like it was like it was written by somebody else. I didn't even recognize that I, I didn't register that I was the one that wrote that. It was almost Mm. like I was looking at somebody else's tests and it was so, um, it was jarring and, and looking back on it, I'm like, that's, that's gotta be it. Because like, I, I had such a hard time focusing during tests because any little thing would be like an instant distraction. Um, clocks, clocks are terrible for me. I can hear my daughter's clock two rooms away. Uh, and, and any tests I ever took, if I was in a room with one of those big old school clocks, ding, 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 it was like a drum in my head. And it's just, it was so distracting. Yeah. Um, cause it was the only, it was the only noise in the room. It was the only thing my brain, you know, would zero in on. And I don't know what it is. Um, but that was always, you know, getting the report cards back and just, you know, having sections of like D, C, D, A, D, D. And it's just like, hold on a minute. Obviously I'm doing okay in this subject. Why can't I do these other subjects? You know, and it was very, looking on it now, I see that the areas that I tended to excel in were the areas that, you know, I tended to like. Uh, stuff like science and biology. And I was really good at that stuff. Um, Things that I found kind of difficult uh, because of dyslexia, you know, reading sometimes was a little bit difficult, still difficult for me to be honest. Um, And then uh, just like the math and everything like that, just looking at my workbooks and there was, there was so much stuff, just a lot of notes from teachers. Why can't you do this? Right. And, you know, 
a lot of commentary of like, this is really simple. And it's like, not for me. Like, mm. I, I don't know what to tell you, you know? Um, you know, the teaching techniques are a little bit different now. Uh, the way that they teach math now is just, whew, nope, I don't, <laughs> I do not understand that one bit. It's, uh, it's even more confusing than, well, and uh, it slows down the process <laughs> so much. And I think it's extra irritating for somebody with ADHD to, to you know, how many more yeah. steps they brought into something that seems otherwise like intuitive, you know, like that's the thing yeah. that bothers me about the new math is the fact that I'm like, look, just like you need to get to a point where this becomes like, you know, uh, um, like autopilot, you know? Yeah. And, and so the fact that they're making you pick apart all of these different, uh, you know, ideas and having to do them over and over. And there's so much repetition. That's, I think it's so weird because I learn best when I get thrown into the mix. Like I'll learn really fast if I just get thrown into something. But if you make me do something like over and over and over and over, I just get bored. Mm-hmm. I don't actually learn anything. I just get bored. Yeah. And that and that's interesting that you make that point that how they break it down now and just make you do the parts over and over because that to me I think that's it. I think it would just make me like I have to do this again. I'm obviously not getting it the first time around. Why would I get it the second time around? Now you're just wasting my time. Right? You know? It's excruciating. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember having struggling with math until I got to high school and, but I struggled with everything in high school. Cause by the time I was in high school, I was like, I wasn't even going to classes. I was so, I was so focused on social, you know, structures. Yeah. And, and so I just, you know, I, I really struggled in middle school, but by the time I was in high school, I was just like, I had kind of labeled myself the, the slacker. And I was like, you know, I had, I had internalized that to such a degree that I didn't, I did poorly in everything. That's what happened um, to me in college. Yeah. yeah same. You know, yeah. I finally, I, I got to the point where all of my friends went to university. I graduated high school just barely because I think my teachers felt sorry for me and they didn't give me F's. They gave me D's. And so I, yep. I couldn't get into university. And then I was mm-hmm. like, well, now what? So then I went back, I redid, um, my, I, I grew up in Canada, so you don't have to take SATs or anything. You're just like based on your oh, grades. Yeah. yeah, right. So I just like <laughs> went back and I redid my senior year and got mm-hmm. all 90s because that was the That's motivation, great. which was like, yeah. I, you know, suddenly I was sort of like, oh, I have to do this one thing if I want to ever go to university. So now I'm going to, everything else is going to fall apart, like fall away. And I'm going to focus mm-hmm. on this one task, which is to do well in school. And then I could right. do it, but everything else had to suffer. And right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's such a mood. It's just like, if I really want to focus on something, I'm going to do it, but nothing else is going to get done. Like, right. That is. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, what's so frustrating about parenting when, when they're little too, that idea that like, you have to let go of so many other things in order to yeah. be a parent. And, and it feels like everyone else, like you said, it feels like all of these other people are somehow managing to do all of these different elements. And I can only do this one thing. And if I, if I, you know, 
and that means that everything else is going to have to suffer. Yeah. It's like, you know, the, the advice when you have babies where they're like, sleep when the baby sleeps. Like uh, the, right? It's if like it was the, only that easy. I know. Well, exactly. I was <laughs> like, it's so hard because you're thinking about all of the things that you have to get done in this one tiny window of time because yeah. when they're awake, you're completely focused on that one child. Right. And like, you, you, so have you to, can't you get need anything else time. Done, right? Yeah. No, it's exactly it. It's like, oh, just sleep when the baby sleeps. Yeah. But the problem is, is that I'm going to take that two hours when I might sleep and I'm going to prepare everything that the baby's going to need when they wake up because right? that's just, yeah, no, yeah. you've got to get the milk done. You got to get this done. You got to clean this, you got to change the sheets. You know, it's just, nope, that, that just doesn't work for some of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I, you know, it's interesting. Like I never thought about how, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> um, I think, you know, talking about sleep deprivation with babies too. Oh, I think that's another thing I've, I've looked back and realized uh, how much sleep deprivation affected my parenting and, and my emotional regulation. And so I oh, think yeah. a lot of, yeah, a lot of my own postpartum depression, I think is, is related to my inability to emotionally regulate. And so I really related to when you were talking about sort of like rage oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, and rage towards your children, which is another thing <laughs> that I think is very lonely because who wants to talk about it? No, nobody wants to talk about that. It's so no. like, it's mired in shame, right? We, we yeah. want to feel like every moment of parenting is supposed to be wonderful and we're supposed to be so grateful and appreciate all of it. And I remember like the thing that got me to go with my first child, the thing that got me to go and actually get medication post um, um, antidepressants mm -hmm. was I like, <clears throat> I had um, a bunch of dishes, the, the shelf broke in my mm -hmm. kitchen in the cabinet where all the pots and pans were and my daughter was napping. And so I'm like tiptoeing around everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this is in this like tiny apartment in Brooklyn, the pots and pans all crash out into the, onto the floor oh. and they were so loud. And I just like fell into tears. Like I just fell on the floor oh, crying yeah. uh. because I was anticipating my daughter waking up and that was going to ruin my day. And like, just all of it, you know, you just fall yep. apart. And my cat, my wonderful cat comes up and she just starts like nug nudging me Aww. with her face because she's a cat and cats are the best. Yeah. And she started nudging me and I, I don't, I was holding a sock for whatever reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but I was so annoyed that yeah. my cat had come in my face, you know, because I have, yeah. I, real, I realize now how much sensory issues I have around my face. Yeah, same. Like it's weird to find that out. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I took my sock and I hit my cat. No. I just was like, get away. Yeah. And that was the moment where I sort of, a, a switch went off where I was like, that is not okay. That is not yeah. okay. And so, you know, I, and I was situation. like, I need help. And, and I'm great. You know, I'm grateful that that switch did go off, you know, but yeah. I think like so much of my own depression is, is rooted in the um, inability to regulate my emotions because of sleep deprivation. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. Like you can tell the days that I actually get sleep because I am a lot more pleasant to be around. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I'm, I get a lot less overwhelmed easily. You know, um, there's definitely like a, okay, I can do one of these, I can take a breath and I can push it out and I can be, let's do this instead. You know, um, on the days that I don't get sleep, it's just 
you know what, go do something else for five minutes. I need to get this done, you know? And it's just, that's it. And, and I feel bad, but at the same time, it's like, I've done everything I can possibly do to try and regulate my sleep better. You know, it's just the ADHD, it messes with the circadian rhythm and, you know, it doesn't matter how much melatonin I take. I'm not going to sleep before midnight. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is. So I've got to try and, you know, stay asleep as long as I possibly can. But yeah, when my kid was a baby, like two hours of sleep, two hours awake, two hours of sleep, two hours awake. Cause she had uh, colicky mm-hmm. on top of everything else. So it was just like, Oh my God, why are you screaming? What's, what's the screaming for now? You know, <laughs> oh my and God. it would get me I so know. wound up that yeah. it would make it hard to take a nap, you know? Um, well, and not only that, I had so much anxiety with my son, my second, who's nine now. Um, I had so much anxiety that he was going to die in his sleep. I don't know oh my God, me from. too. So I would lie awake, you know, I would get up, oh. I'd feed him and then I would just lie awake, pe- terrified I'm... Uh, that he was going to die in his sleep. And I, I'm like, <sighs> there, what is that? The actualization, there's some word for that, right? That, yeah. It's that a, like an actualization thing. Yeah, ab- right? yeah. Obsessive. Yeah. I know. I know exactly what you mean. Cause I looked it up because I was like, I'm starting to get real crazy about this. Right. Like, yeah. And, and it was, I, it got oh, so bad that I couldn't, I couldn't even drive in the car with my husband because I was convinced we were going to like spin out of control and we were all going to die. And so I, I stopped being able to get into a car and I was like, this is all, like all I need is like a good night's sleep. Yep. <laughs> but this makes me feel so much better to be honest. <laughs> like I am so, so sorry you went through that. Cause I know exactly what that's like, but to hear it from somebody else, it makes me feel a little bit less of a wreck because I, I absolutely had the same thing towards the end of my pregnancy. I refused to drive. I was like, I'm not taking responsibility for this vehicle. If we get into an accident and me or the kid or somebody else gets injured, I can't handle that amount of responsibility right Mm -hmm. now. Um, my husband was the sweetest. He was so nice, brought me to all of my appointments for like the last, I think it was two or three months, uh, which was like two or three appointments every month. So, um, you know, at least I, he was able to take a load off on, on that regard. But yeah, no, I, I feel like ever I still check on her at least once or twice a night, every night, just because, you know, she's and seven. She's, how old? she's seven. She's seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, Aww. yeah. Um, Man, it's just crazy. I know. Yeah, it's so interesting to me how intertwined these things are. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about kind of the importance of community too, because I think part of that, part of the diagnosis journey is like becoming self-diagnosed, like identifying with with ADHD, with the memes and the comics and the, oh, yeah. the tweets and all of that. And just feeling <laughs> like, oh my God, for the first time in my life, I'm seen. Um, and, and, and everything in my life makes sense and going back over everything with a spine tooth comb and yeah. there's that. And then there's also just like the need for community, I think is so strong. Not only it, I mean, it's a wonderful community. I think it's an incredibly like empathetic community and incredibly supportive community. Um, and, and I think there's something about us that like really craves that. I agree. Yeah. Definitely. I've been thinking a lot about, a lot about like, where does that come from? Does that come from the fact that we have self-doubt our whole lives or the fact that we sort of feel like a square peg so that we have that elevated sense of empathy. 
I maybe it's a little bit of everything, honestly. That's really <laughs> that's very interesting to think about because I kind of feel the same way. Like I feel like, hey, we're all a little bit weird in our own way. Let's you know, let's share and let's figure things out together, kind of deal. You know, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a little bit of that and a little bit of just like, hey, I do that too, you know, and mm-hmm. and it's just it's a validating feeling to know that like you're not the only odd man out. I guess is how it works. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I know. I, and I think like I first joined Facebook because I had a baby. And so I found that like Facebook communities, new mom communities were like everything because I yeah, felt yeah. so alone and I was struggling so much and sort of, you know, it was that still that same idea of in the, in the early days of, of Facebook where you're like, Oh, oh I'm finding yeah. people online who speak my language. But then there was always sort of that limit too of like, um, has anyone else not showered in a week? No, <laughs> yeah. no, just me. Okay. I took it too far. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and so I think with the Twitter community, with the ADHD and the neurodivergent community, there's just like the less normal, the better bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. It's just like, it seems like the odder you are, the more interesting you are to some people. And it's just like, really, I wonder what that stems from. Cause you know, a lot of us are like the science geeky nerds too. So we're just like, let's analyze that. Like, why does this happen? You know? And I think we kind of have like this weird bond over that too. That's to a, a great point. Degree, you know, yeah. we're puzzle solvers <laughs> exactly. we, and, and yeah, we love to like go, go deep. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, that's the whole reason I started this podcast was because I sort of, I, I know how much I love like intentional conversations with people who I think are cool. <laughs> so oh, I'm yeah, like, definitely. this is great. <laughs> uh, and so I, it amazes me that people are listening to them too, because I sort of like completely forget when I'm in the moment of these podcast episodes where I'm like, is it interesting to other people to listen to the conversations that we're having, you know? I think I've that, been told it is. Well, uh, the whole reason I started it is because I really like listening to those types of podcasts. And that was kind I of where too. I made that connection where I was like, oh, like, and I also, you know, as a journalist, I'm like, I realize how much we learn about ourselves from hearing the experience of other people too. And that's, awesome. you know, and that's how much, that's how I learned about ADHD was sort of yeah. listening to other people's experiences. And so it's that's a nice a really kind of symbiotic point. relationship. So yeah. everybody listening, you're welcome. raise your hand if you're really good with your diet for a few days or weeks but you always end up sabotaging your own efforts or you fear having certain foods in the house because you feel like you lack the self-control to avoid them when they're there or you feel like everyone but you has this whole eating and exercise thing figured out and you just want to scream what is wrong with me Well, guess what? You are not alone. In my book, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom, I share with you my own history with yo-yo dieting and binge eating from my very first diet at the age of 14 to the nearly 30 years I spent on a merry-go-round of weight loss and weight regain. I also share with you the six essential steps that helped me to finally break free from diet culture and rediscover my health and my self-worth. If you are ready to break free from dieting and binge eating cycle for good and heal your relationship with food and your body, head to worthitwithkatie.com to get your copy of my Worth It book today.
let's talk about camp ADHD. Sure. Because, um, I'm curious. I, I, I'm relatively new to Twitter. I just joined uh-huh. in January. Um, I always stayed away from Twitter because I found it so overwhelming. It, <laughs> and, yeah, it can be. Right? It just felt yeah. like this like intense game of double dutch and I never knew who to follow and there was so much happening and I just was like, nope. So I kind of left wrong. it a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I like coming back into it now because I sort of feel like I have a specific mission and I'm a little more like honed down in terms of who I follow. And I'm not just like, I'm going to follow everybody and listen to everything and do all this stuff. Um, so, but I love, and and so I love the ADHD Twitter community. I also sort of feel so overwhelmed because this is relatively new to me. I also Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, I'm 46, feel like a bit of a Luddite. I have like my learning curve is so steep and, and there is a sense of sort of this insider, like squad, Mm-hmm. you know, of everybody talking to each other and everybody commenting on each other where I'm sort of like, how do you all know each other? <laughs> uh, and so I'm curious awesome. about Camp ADHD. How how mm-hmm. did you get involved in it? And, and um, Honestly, who, like, how did that even come to be? So the weird thing is, is that I just honestly started jumping into ADHD conversations. Like when Pina was posting stuff, you know, I would, I would just reply to it like, Hey, I do that a lot too. You know, like I've, this is really validating and thank you for posting it. And, you know, every once in a while, it's just little things like that and things. And, you know, and once I got diagnosed, um, I have, I was already following camp ADHD through somebody else. I think it might've been Danny Donovan because she did, um, she did a talk for them last year, I believe. Uh, so I was already following her. So I found them through a retweet by her, I believe. Uh, and then, you know, I just kind of, I waited until they were posting stuff and I was looking and, and occasionally they would retweet stuff where I was just like, Hey, you know, that's, that's really relatable. And I would just, you know, I'd just reply to it casually, you know, and, uh, after a little while, just, I honestly didn't even do much of repertoire building with them, so to speak. They just put out a tweet one day and were like, hey, you know, we're looking for speakers for this year's Camp ADHD. Do you have an interesting subject? And I was just like, oh, do I? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I I emailed them and I wrote up a nice paragraph. I pitched it like I would have pitched, you know, any other thing I would have done in IT. And they were like, hey, we love this. This isn't a subject that gets talked a lot in ADHD communities. This would be great to highlight. And, you know, would you be willing to write up a thing for us? And I was like, that was the reason I emailed? Sure, let's do it. So it's, I don't know how to say, like it kind of all fell together, like one little block after another, you know? Yeah. Um, Found them. They just happened to put out a tweet looking for people and I just, I guess I'm a good writer or something because obviously they wanted me to speak. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, it was a great experience. I'm super happy. Everyone in the discord that I've been talking to has been wonderful. So. Yeah. It was a really great experience. I'm so yeah. grateful for what a resource. Oh my goodness. Like I, my head was yeah. spinning that day. I'm sure all of our heads were spinning that day. <laughs> there was a lot of really good resources and a lot of really relatable content, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> very, very relatable content. <laughs> 
I'm I'm really hoping that at some point they're going to go back to doing, you know, the in-person meets once it's safer to do that, obviously, because that was their original plan with the camp to begin with, was to actually have a physical location and a physical meetup to have these, like almost like a TED Talk type deal, you know? Oh, interesting. Um, okay. I don't know when they'll be able to follow through with that or if they'll be able to follow through with it, but that's my hope. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for them, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. Which I think would alleviate a lot of the issues that doing it digitally brings up, like you said, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I don't know where they would hold it though. That would be interesting. I know. Hope, right. I mean, it's so it spread out. Funding. Well, and I feel like the yeah. community is so spread out with the UK and, no, that's right, because we had we had quite a few people, I think, from the UK this time around, too. Yeah. Yeah, that might be kind of difficult. Might have to split it up into the couple camps. <laughs> <laughs> UK and US and East and West and all that, you know, like PAX East. Oh, I'm going to miss that this year. That's going to suck. <laughs> what are you going to do? Is that um, gamers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the one gaming convention that I go to. That is, that is mommy's vacation. Uh, I go with my best friend and the two of us just kind of go buck wild for 24 hours. Just, you know, buying merchandise, playing new video games, testing stuff, um, you know, testing out new technologies and stuff like that. It's, uh, mm. it's fun. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think that's another thing I think I liked that you touched on when it came to parenting with young kids, which was the, the importance of having alone time, you know, and and how I think that's a a thing as mothers, we tend to, um, we don't tend to prioritize. We tend to feel a lot of guilt around Mm. the need to be alone because again, we should be perfect mothers and we should always want to be around our children and we should never desire to (laughs) to just leave the house. And I remember like the difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day in my house, because with Father's (laughs) Day, it's like, we'll make you breakfast. We'll do things. We're going to play with you all day long. And Mother's Day is like, nobody talked to me. I'm leaving the house. That is my gift. (laughs) Yep. No, I, I feel that exactly. That's basically what happens at my house too. You know, up until uh, last March, my Mother's Day was going out to a restaurant with my best friend and just not coming home for the rest of the day we would we'd wander around the mall or we would just we'd go to the movies you know something just get out of the house no one's allowed to call me you know (laughs) yeah that was it yeah (laughs) so yeah now you you also mentioned that you went off of your postpartum depression you went off your why do I keep calling it that your antidepressants mm. um after three years and so I'm curious what because I I didn't I was still on my I was still on postpartum antidepressants for nine years <laughs> when I finally decided to go off them and I think yeah. I I don't think I went off of them because I no longer felt depressed mm-hmm. I went off of them because I felt like um I just felt very like out of sort, like I felt very out of touch with my emotions. And so I had, a sort okay. of, you know, like I had this experience where my mom passed away and I mm. felt so, I didn't cry. Like I didn't react, you know? Mm. And I, and it was sort of this huge moment in my life where I'm like, I'm supposed to be reacting a certain way yeah. and I didn't. And so that was sort of what led me to think, maybe I want to come off of these to sort of rediscover who I am. Yeah. You know? 
And, and I always sort of, the reason why I didn't go off them for so long was because I always felt like, well, if I'm this bad with medication, imagine how bad it'll be without the medication. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always That's curious. That's how I feel with my, my ADHD meds. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, you know, I'm curious why people go off them, you know, especially without the ADHD diagnosis yet. What led you to, what was your decision process? It's funny because I remember the day that I decided that I wasn't going to take them anymore. And I don't remember my motivation, to be honest. I, I think at that point, my daughter had started walking. She had started talking a little bit. Um, she got, she started getting more interactive and I think just overall, I felt a little bit more comfortable interacting with her. And I think now that we were starting to have these small communications, I wasn't feeling as alone. You know, she's very, she's very hyper. I'm, I'm pretty sure she's probably ADHD as well. She's talk, 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 very hyperactive with the talking and the running and everything. Um, so I could already see that kind of coming around and I could already see that she was going to be very interactable with me. Like she was going to be very like, here, have this. She was bringing me books. She was bringing me blocks and I'm just putting them together and handing them back to her. So I think that interaction kind of helped me, um, gain a little bit more of like that personable part of myself back. And I think it was just, I was at a point that I was comfortable, like giving it a try, going off of them and seeing how I felt. And once I was off of them, I was like, okay, all right, I've got this, I think, you know, and, and I was doing okay for quite some time, actually. Um, and then, you know, like I said, when she turned five, uh, you know, once she started doing some more of the heavy teething for like the permanent teeth and everything like that, that was when it started grating on me a little bit. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not depression this time though, because she's five. And that's when I started doing more of the research. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, it was, um, I wish I clearly remembered my motivation, like the whole entire reason why I did it. I think maybe, I don't know, maybe I was just sick of taking them. Yeah. I, I have a lot of memory loss for the first two years of her life. I, there's like really maybe two weeks total that I remember. Yeah. Um, apparently one of my friends came over for like a week and just lived at my house for a week to help me take care of her. I don't remember any of it. Interesting. Um, yeah. Huh. So I, I wish I could give you a clearer answer, but no, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm just curious because I, I put so much pressure on myself over the years with that dichotomy of like medication is just like a vitamin and you should think about it in terms of, you know, this is something that, why do, why do you have a resistance to it? If it's something that's mm. going to help you take it. And then the right. other side of that coin, which was like, almost like the iceberg theory, which was like, why don't I spend my time trying to figure out like I know with my health coaching certification, they called it the thumbtack theory, which was like, you go oh. to the doctor because there's a thumbtack in your ass. Yeah. Your doctor will give you ibuprofen. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And, I like and that. And so this idea that like, well, you have to figure out where the pain is coming from. And so I right. sort of always felt like, um, 
you know, I, I was, so that's why I sort of became obsessed with like getting off the medication and doing the real work, but it's mm. not like I condone that behavior, you know, like I, I certainly was always mired with it. And, and I, I see a lot of that now with the ADHD community in terms of like, do I need this medication? Do I not? Am I coping? Am I not? And I'm, you know, I'm, so I'm fascinated by like, what leads us to have that inner turmoil of like, why, you know, why do I, why am I so resistant to relying on medication in some elements of my life, but like would pop an Advil, no problem, you know, or like, you know, why, if it's just the long-term dependence on something, I'm not sure. Uh, It's, I I haven't quite decided. I don't have the same, um, I didn't have the same reluctance. Well, no, that's not true. Uh, I, I, was very like questioning ADHD medication in the beginning. Again, sort of like, do I need this? Do I not? Um, how desperate am I? As though I need to be like completely, like I need to get to a you level to of broke. desperate. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know. Um, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's a great point of that idea yeah. of like, if it ain't broke, it's almost like counseling. You know, there's certain people who feel yeah. like therapy, you only go to therapy if you're in like deep trouble. Right. But I'm like, no, therapy is just like a non-negotiable. <laughs> It's yeah, like, no, it's it, like water, you know? Right. So there's, it's, I don't know, it's fascinating to me when it comes to, um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I'm just rambling at this point, but yeah, I'm just like. No, but uh, it's very relatable though, because I, I kind of felt the same when I first got my ADHD meds. I, I almost felt guilty having to, you know, wanting to try them and wanting to see if they made a difference, you know? And once I did, it was like night and day. And I was just like, I wish I had known that this was something that could have helped me my whole life, you know? Yeah. See, so, I had, I didn't have yeah. that experience. I, I was sort of like, I tried Vyvanse mm-hmm. and was like, is this working? Is this not working? I'm not feeling a different. I mean, there was like a placebo in the beginning where I took my Vyvanse and I was like, I'm going to take gifs of before and after pictures of every room and how dirty it was and then how clean it was. And I made this whole like gif collaboration of me cleaning my house (laughs) um, the very first day on Vyvanse. And I was like, look at this, isn't this great? And then day two, I was like, "Mm, I did that. Now what? Um, (laughs) No, it's not doing anything for me. And so like, I found the questioning Mm. of like, constantly questioning is it helping is it not what's different what's not what are the other yeah. fact what are the other external factors that might be also contributing to it it just yeah. like it was exhausting and very reminiscent of postpartum um antidepressants of that same of like there's just so many contributing factors right now like how are yeah. you possibly supposed to know what the cause is and so then i just kind of stopped because mm-hmm. they were interfering with my sleep enough that uh, i was just it. sort of yeah but but I do, you know, I, I, I'm so curious. I, and I'm always fascinated when people say like they were life-changing. I'm like, what does that mean? How, See, what did it do? <laughs> it's funny because that's actually what I take right now yeah. for my meds. And it really does like, it just, it gives me my energy back. Uh, weirdly enough. I think, um, I think the thing is though, is that people develop tolerances to a certain degree after a little while to some of them. And the tolerance can come on like super fast or super slow. Like for me, I think my body is starting to work up a little bit of a tolerance for it because, you know, the last week or so I've been kind of, my brain hasn't been as organized as it usually feels like it is. I do a lot of these, like walk out of the room. Why did I walk out of the room? Walk back into the room 
And I did that a lot before my meds. So I'm just kind of like, hmm, maybe, maybe something needs to be adjusted or maybe I need something different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, my house has been cleaner than it has been in the past decade. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I figure I'll just like, maybe I'll just take them on an as needed basis when I have some sort of like incredibly overwhelming task that I've been putting off. That's what I've been thinking too, oddly enough. You know, I, um, I think it was Monday and Tuesday. I didn't take them just because like I needed a day off. And actually I hear that a lot from people with ADHD. Sometimes like they are literally like, just take a day off from your meds and like decompress and then, you know, go back on them or whatnot. Um, which is interesting to hear. Yeah, that is interesting because I think I I sort of feel like the, one thing I was looking for help with and didn't find it made a difference in was that um, like staying on task, staying focused. Mm. Like I have, you know, I have that, you know, I go sit at my computer and I'm like, why I'm sitting here for a reason. And yet now all suddenly I'm on Twitter and now I'm doing this and I'm on the, you know, and I was really hoping that medication was going to like help me stay and focus on task. And, and, you know, that was like the one thing I'm looking for. And my therapist is like, that's a really tall order. I don't know if any medication is going to help with that. So it's interesting because um, I thought that it was going to do the same thing. But it turns out that for me, at least, what it actually helps me do better is task switching. Mm. So. I'm able, like, where I'm focused on something on my computer, if I'm working on, like, a piece of artwork or a commission or something like that, I'm actually able to stop working on it and get up and do something else and then come back to it and pick it back up where I left off. Where previously that would have been actually physically annoying and agonizing. Um, So, I don't know. It's really interesting. I, I think... Like, the thing is, it seems like so many different people have so many, like, there's different versions and, or different, you know, symptoms for ADHD. And there's different things, you know, the, um, what is it, the inattentive and then the hyperactive and everything like that. And I think just certain medications just work better for certain types. And then on top of that, certain brain chemistries. I know, you know? right? Which yeah. is so antithetical to, like, what we need. <laughs> yeah. we need things to make sense and have labels and containers. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and nobody's offering that. And everybody has a different experience. And I'm like, but how am I supposed to research? Exactly. Well, there's no field research here. <laughs> yeah, we are the field research, unfortunately, yeah. in a lot of cases, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's just, true. You know, I think that's part of the reason why the community is so huge too. It's just like you have so many people who seem similar on the surface, maybe even take similar or same meds, but then get completely different results. Right. Yeah. You know, so I, I think having the community and having them all in the community helps with that too. Right. You know? yeah. And then you throw so, in something like hormone theory and estrogen oh and it's like, <laughs> wait, you're making everything so complicated. Now I have to think about whether it's my time of the month. And like, you know, yep. I'm just like, I can't, I'm, 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 I'm not, I can't like, <laughs> no, that's like, that, I'm, yep. No, that's part of the reason why I didn't take my meds on Monday and Tuesday too. Cause I was just, my brain was just like it was just coming out of my ears like nope I'm this is not the time that I should be taking this right now (laughs) you know everything was just getting all messed up and yeah it sucks like and then if your hormones are out of balance to begin with for whatever reason one way or the other 
that's going to completely change the outcome yeah. of whatnot, you know, and just, I know. And then, you know, not only that, but I just sort of feel like maybe it's hormones is sort of the, maybe, you know, it's just like such a cop out in some ways, you know, it's like perimenopause. There's like, so wait, there's a 10 year mm-hmm. period in your life that may or may not be the answer for pretty much every weird question you have about your body. <laughs> like, I know that doesn't it's seem amazing. Fair. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. <laughs> it's, it really doesn't. <laughs> right? It's like, how many times did I go to the doctor and they were like, let's test your thyroid. And I'm like, God, it's not my yeah. thyroid. Oh, God, <laughs> I know. It? I don't know. Maybe it is. So many thyroid tests, so many blood tests, so many, like, just, oh, my God. I think at one point in time I had something like 15 blood tests. <sighs> yeah. And it was oh, awful. Yeah. I yeah. feel that. Oh, man. <laughs> and no answers on top of that either. So it's like, well, oops. <laughs> I guess at least they got a record for stuff in case they want to look for anything later. But um, so one thing I've been asking my guests, I don't know if you prepared it. It's fine if you didn't. But if you I, I've been asking if you could rename ADHD, because I know that those little those that acronym is so problematic for so many people. Yeah. Um, what would you call it or what would you rename it? So I, I was I was thinking about this last oh, night because I, I remembered <laughs> to look at my email last night and I was thinking about it some. And I think personally, what I would do is I would probably, I'd probably remove the H for starters. So make it ADD, but I would change it to, um, attention direction disorder. Love that. Because it's not so much a problem that we can't pay attention. So it's, it's more like we don't have the wheel. We don't have control of the wheel. The car's going, but we can't steer where it's heading. Um, or a lot of times, at least, you know, we might be able to grab it and slow it down a little bit. You know, we might be able to put the brake on. We might be able to give it a little turn. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's just something there that I think for a lot of ADHDers, like, you just, you can't make that full turn and you can't redirect it exactly where it needs to go, you know, um, put something next, next to something else. So you remember to do the thing. Uh, if it's not in front of you, suddenly you forget it exists. Right. Um, you know, it's a lot of directional. I think it's, I personally, for me, at least I feel like it's more directional, you know? Yeah. That's Um, a great way. Unfortunately, it's not as Googleable to to be ADD. So I feel like we need another letter (laughs) in there somewhere. Um, But yeah, Uh, I mean, hyperactivity, that's a great point because I know so many women, myself included, it was recommended to me. And my first reaction was, I'm not hyperactive. I've never been hyperactive. I can spend days on the couch staring out the window at the rain. Same. Yep. (laughs) Me too. And, and it was, it was only through my uh, testing and diagnosis when I was sort of realizing, you know, like my doctor was asking me about things like um, um, distractible thoughts. And then she, mm-hmm. she was sort of making all those connections in terms of impulsivity and distractibility. And she was asking me questions like, do you hate traffic? And I was like, with a passion. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, these are the different manifestations of hyperactivity. You know, that it wasn't until yeah. I really kind of understood that hyperactivity manifests itself internally in the brain in all of these different ways, especially for women. Um, 
that I was That's able to true. kind of embrace the hyper, the H in ADHD. And now That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's probably a few ways that I could, I could categorize myself as hyperactive, but it's all. It's yeah. All I mean, there, and and I've know? heard, yeah, I feel like I've, I've encountered a lot of women who like can totally relate to the inattentive, but have a sort of difficulty really embodying the H. And then I talk to them and I'm like, girl, you're all over the place. You're, <laughs> Yeah. You have the scarlet H on your on your chest, <laughs> uh, um, but um, but I do feel like you know it is so misunderstood and misrepresented, and and yeah. I, I think it would probably do well to get rid of it. I'm just not sure what is the better way to kind of talk about distractibility and yeah. and the connection between distractibility and impulsivity and and RSD and like all of these ways in oh, which yeah. the you know waking up in the middle of the night wondering where your passport is or you know all of those <laughs> oh but, that's that's relatable right <laughs> yeah um, or lying awake wondering if your baby is dead you know like like i think there's yep. so many ways in which they all fall under that same umbrella yeah that's and true and i don't know what that word is Hmm. I I don't know maybe dysphoria dysphoria I know we hear you know we sort of throw that word around a lot but I don't Hmm. know something to think about yeah it's interesting all right well I I thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it and enjoyed getting to hear more about you and your experience yeah same that this was wonderful I'm glad that I was able to come on and I'm you know, there was a lot of really validating and relatable information in here. So it's awesome. it's always wonderful to talk to other people with ADHD, honestly. I know, right? Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know. I find it endlessly fascinating. Oh, yeah, definitely. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.